Four comedians walk into a studio. A Trump impersonator, an internationally recognized stand-up comedian and improv master, a hotshot Toronto producer, and a comedian from Vancouver on the fast rise. It's JFL 42 time in Toronto. I'm Dean Young, and this is Inside Jokes. Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. fired up in the studio the children of the revolution that's right there's some revolutionary comedy shows happening in toronto right now and if you haven't been tuning in these past few weeks first off i would like to know why please please call in email in and let and tell us why tweet at us even i, I want to know why you weren't listening it's jfl 42 time in toronto and we have been featuring some of the 42 comedians storming this city. We have some of the best of the best local comics and producers. We have top name headliners flooding in from across Canada, the U.S. and beyond. Uh, and we have some returning friends of the show. Today in studio, Anna Simone George is with us. Hey, Jesse. Back Woo! again. <laughs> how you doing? Good, how are you? Not too bad. So we've had you on the show before, and you were talking a little bit about uh, your show Shade, which of course runs monthly at the Rivoli here yep. in Toronto. But this year, you have been picked up as part of JFL 42. Yes, I have. Which, uh, it, it's nice. it's nice to see. I mean, because every year... You know, I like to walk our listeners through the way this festival works because it, it, it's a bit of a different animal than than the festival in Montreal. When when Just for Laughs is happening in Montreal, you go there and you just kind of get consumed by it, <laughs> right? You know, whether <laughs> yeah. you like it or not. There's like the green Victor guy following you down the street, and there's <laughs> drunk people everywhere, and there's just you. You can't throw a rock without hitting a comedian. No, you shouldn't do that. But still. <laughs> But in Toronto, it's different because it's sort of like 42 people roll into the city and there's all these different shows. There's, you know, the big theater headliner shows and galas and stuff. And then there's all these pockets of like these local showcases happening all over the city. And you kind of can dip in and check out new stuff that you might not have seen before. And the interesting thing with Shade is, you know, not just that the festival is JFL 42, of course, has noticed and, and brought you into the festivities, but it seems to signal sort of this new wave of stuff that's happening. You've been a huge part of this in Toronto where there's just all these new showcases going on that feature a lot of comics that really weren't being represented on stage at a lot of places. And these indie shows like yours, the festivals and the networks, they're they're noticing now. Yeah. So like, was that, what is that like for you? Was that a big part of building this show or did you just sort of, because I remember when you were doing stand-up before you started producing as much as you are now, did you just see something that was lacking and think, well, I'm just going to build that stuff myself? That's basically what happened. I was yeah. like, I was, you know, when you get tired of like waiting to be put on shows, and yes. I was like, <laughs> I don't really have an advantage. Like I'm a woman and I'm not white. So I was like, well, you know, I'm not going to wait for somebody to be like, hey, do you want to be on my show after yeah. like six months? Um, so I just made my own show and then it like took off and I was like, oh, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then everyone's like, you're a producer now. And I'm like, I don't know, am I? Um, but yeah. So well, I just... 
It yeah. is its own art form for yeah. sure. I mean, you figured something out. I mean, it's it's interesting. Every year, JFL Forty Two does bring such a unique array of comics into the city. But looking at the lineup this year in particular, it is nice seeing how much of what's actually happening in Toronto, because, I mean, this is our, you know, comedy hub in Canada, how much of that's actually being reflected this year in the festival? Like, how much of local talent's actually such a bigger part of it now? There's, it was really nice to see, even from, like, the JFL gala, like, in Montreal, Mm -hmm. to see, like, so many people that we work with, like, popping up and being like, I'm doing JFL. So I'd say it was, like, I don't know if it's, like, a good chunk, but it's, like, significant that you notice that, like, a lot of your peers are on JFL 42. And it's representative yeah. of, of I think, it's smart on them, really, too, for the festival. It's, you know, comedy comedy is supposed to comment on the times, but because of that, it's also supposed to change with the times. Yeah. And shows like Shade, and also we had Shanti Morost go on here talking about the queer comedy scene and what's happened in the last couple of years. But shows like these, where you are seeing comics that were completely underrepresented before. And, and because of that, you're also getting this huge new audience that's sort of exploding out of the woodwork. I mean, your show, you have, I'm sure, regulars every month. And Oh, yeah, totally. And I get people that are like, I don't go to comedy shows because, like, I'm... I, every time I go to a comedy show, I end up being, like, ostracized or something. Yeah. And then they're like, and I come to Shade, and I'm like, that's not the the feeling that I get. And they end up, like, telling their friends and their friends and their friends. And it's like this weird... Like cult that I've started. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which is good though. I mean, it's, you know, I'm from the, you know, generation where of comics where it's like we all grew up watching the old Just for Laughs galas on TV and it was always like the same five people. (laughs) Great people. Some of them been on the show, but it was always like this is Canadian comedy is like five middle-aged dudes in sport coats and Reeboks. That's exactly like when I first started doing comedy, I never thought that I would end up in comedy because I was like. You don't just become a comedian. Like, look who you're just you just show up and you're a comedian or whatever, because like I didn't see representation. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it was literally that it was like the same. All right. Well, and I want to get into actually a little bit uh, later in the show uh, how exactly you you jumped into that, because not just obviously producing these shows and figuring that out, but just what actually made you make that first (laughs) jump onto stage, because it's a weird thing to do with your life. And those of us who do it, we're all kind of the broken toys on the assembly line. We will be right back. We have a special guest joining us after the break. Greg Proops will be on the line right here on Inside Jokes, Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hey, this is Colin Mockery from Whose Line Is It Anyway? And you are listening to Inside Jokes, Pants Optional. Welcome back to Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And we are talking once again all things JFL 42. We have 42 comics rolling into the city. We have some of our own favorites from here in Toronto. We have headliners from across North America and Canadian comics from coast to coast. And we have another returning friend of the show. Gavin Matz is back on the line. How you doing, man? I'm good. How you doing, Dean? Not too bad. So last, And we also have Anna Simone George from here in Toronto, the producer of Shade, in studio with us. Hey, Gavin. Hey, nice to meet you. <laughs> Sweet, you <too. laughs> yeah, we're just bringing together Canadian comics who are on this festival. So you guys are it. That's it. I'm just here to <laughs> bring you guys together. But last time we talked to you, Gavin, uh, was of course the lead up to Top Comic last year. And for, yeah, for those, yeah, that was a while ago, uh, it was a while ago. But for those listeners of ours who who didn't get the follow up on that, you of course won Top Comic last year, and then released. I uh, did. I- you, yeah, and then you released your debut stand-up album, which shot to number one on iTunes. So that was a, not a bad year for you, right? Leading up to JFL Forty Two. No, that was a good like that was a good two days. <laughs> that was a good two days. Yeah, it was, it was probably my favorite two days. Yeah, ever. Well, I mean, 
you're a comic, so probably right. But, That's well, everything. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was good, and then it was back to just being sad. <laughs> it's so true. Like we were talking about that before on this show. When you do things like Top Comics, a good example, or Homegrown in Montreal, you know, you sort of you land these big gigs and these big festival credits, and there's that high that lasts in Canadian comedy for about five minutes. <laughs> And then it just gets added to the list of things in your bio. And then the terror sets back in of like, oh, crap, what do I do next? How do I, how do I continue yeah. to survive after this? You're in a coffee shop on the West Coast right now. So that is a very Hollywood move that you're pulling. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I did want to ask, though, and I think all of our listeners are very curious, Gavin, is did you blow the 25 grand yet that comes with Top Comic? Do you have any of it left, Gavin? Um, honestly, I have most of it, but, uh, I did, I used it to get a O1 visa so I, that I could move to the States. Oh boy. So I mean, a portion of it, a portion of it is gone. A portion of it is gone. See, that's, large. that's what happens is you, some of our most talented comics are the responsible ones. And then they end up going to the U S and then we're stuck with everybody else. <laughs> we're stuck with the comics who would take that $25,000 and, blow it in like a month and then be right back to where they started but like they're very funny but also very tragic that's who ends up <laughs> staying in Canada I did want to ask you that actually Gavin it's interesting you brought that up for you I mean it's sort of yeah you have had this obviously this past year and a half has sort of been sort of a milestone after milestone for you and you're still a pretty young dude and you're a pretty young comic is that the goal for you is to sort of build these things up and then make that move to the states like was that always your intention um, I, I think, I think, I think so. Like, I mean, as soon as I won, I kind of like got a lawyer and figured out how to move and like got a manager down here. And so it was always like forward. I kind of didn't want to sit on top comics too long because I was worried that it would be like 2025 and I would be like, Oh, I'm remember when I won top comics. So that kind of scared me. <laughs> That's true. I mean, and there is yeah. sort of this thing where, I guess some comics come to to come to this sort of fork in the road in Toronto where it's like, okay, well, I've done the festivals and I have enough credits to pack up and move. Do I go while I sort of have this momentum or do I stay here and just figure out how to build something and just sort of scrape by on the scene here? It's kind of this turning point you get to. Because if you do go to L.A., and I'm assuming is that where you're headed or is it, are you doing the New York thing? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in L.A. now. I've been here two weeks. Two weeks, okay. Two weeks, yeah. And so what was yeah. what was that like? Because, I mean, it's kind of like in Canada when comics, you know, come from their other scenes and come to Toronto and it's sort of you sort of have to reestablish yourself and get out there and, and sort of make a new name for yourself. Is it a complete starting over in it when you go to L.A. or do you sort of springboard from these credits and, and get a good running start? Um, honestly, I've been terrified the whole two weeks I've been here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it's definitely, like, part starting over. Like, I do have people that have, like, helped me a lot already. And, like, uh, and I've had, like, some cool shows and great shows. But then it's I've kind of been also, like, grinding on the open mics out here and just being, like, nervous. It kind of feels like I started stand-up again. Yeah. Stuff. So that is also nerve-wracking. I'm like, will it ever play out down here? But, I mean, you kind of have to give it a shot. Well, and I mean, does that sort of give you a new dose of sort of the love of the game that you originally had? Is there something sort of refreshing about making a leap like that and not having maybe as much of the momentum that you, of course, have in Canada? Because, you know, there's only so much 
credits you can get here, and then you're sort of established. Yeah, I've always felt like the best thing about stand-up is to not be comfortable. Yeah. To always, like, put yourself outside of whatever you're doing. So I think I think in that regard, I think it'll help me and I'll get better. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's good to – I'm excited for the festival just because it'll be, like, a week of shows where I can see people I, I know and miss during the, the time in Toronto. Well, and that's one thing I wanted to, to find out before we let you go, Gavin, is, of course, so you released the album last year. Uh, and it was all about what was happening at the time for you. How 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 much has your material changed with just whatever happens in your life now? Like, what what can people expect to see from you at JFL forty two this year? Um, I mean, my material is always kind of just everyday stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, my life's kind of changed a, a lot in the last year. So, but I, I you know I think it's good. I don't know how to describe it. I think my stuff is is good. I think I'm better than last year. I don't know how to convince. It's hard to convince. You to say, hey, you should come see me. No, that's a, but a, that's as honest as as it gets. Just hey, I'm different from last year, and life is different from last year, and I'm better than last year. That's I think if all comics yeah. thought like that, Gavin, we would have so many comics saving their money <laughs> in Canada. We would have so many responsible under thirty comedians in Canada. I I hope some of them learned that message from you. Uh we're looking forward to seeing you yeah. uh in a couple weeks here in Toronto for JFL forty two. And uh one more time, where can people uh download that album? I uh, I mean I think it's all over Apple Music and Spotify, all the streaming services, you know. Uh but uh, yeah, just Gavin Matt's called Premature. Um I think it, it was a fun project. If you guys listen to it I'd really appreciate it. And then you can follow me on Instagram at like at Gavin Matt. What a nice, honest, <laughs> what a nice, honest, down to earth answer on Inside Jokes. Thank you so much, Gavin. We'll see you in a couple weeks here in Toronto. All right, see you soon. Thank you. All right, that was Gavin Matz, and of course, we have Anna Simone George in studio. We will be right back after the break. I'm Dean Young with more Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hey, this is Isabel Canon. You're listening to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And of course, once again today, we are talking all things JFL 42. We have some more guests joining us from the lineup of the 42 hitting Toronto this September 20th. On the line right now, we have Anthony Adamanic, who is, you are regarded as the best of the best of the Trump impersonators. That's what I hear. Good, at least somebody thinks that. Well, Judd Apatow said it. He called you essential viewing for Americans today. Judd is very kind. Right? Very kind guy. He actually, yes, he actually at JFL in Montreal uh, two years ago came, I think, and saw two shows. So he's he's a big, he's a fan, which is a very nice thing. He's a fan and, I, you know, and he knows what he's talking about. And I wanted to ask you before we really jump yeah. into it here, I was really just curious how I mean, obviously, you know, you you taught at UCB. You you have an extensive improv background, but actually delving into becoming the Donald was that for you? Was that sort of like a defensive reaction to that sideshow that was kind of unfolding in front of American voters? Uh, in some ways, I mean, I I always sort of had an intersection between politics and comedy. My my friend Mary Matthews and I. Uh, used to go to the New Hampshire primary every four years and do this uh, show called Debate Porridge, where we would sort of like uh, uh, do some political satire and commentary and try to worm our way into different political events to try to talk to people like Dennis Kucinich and Hillary Clinton and right. folks like that. So I, I was always into that. Um, 
But uh, I wouldn't say I was exclusively like a political comic by any stretch. I, you know, mostly sketch and improv and, and just acting and writing. Um, and uh, I, I think that by August of 2015, I had improvised playing Trump in a, a, a UCB show, uh, just sort of spur of the moment. And a friend of mine, Shannon O'Neill, encouraged me to turn it into a one-person show and I had been doing um, a variety show called the Tony and Johnny Show with John Gemberling, who plays Steve Bannon on The President Show, <laughs> yeah. uh, for a while. And, and I, I tended to like doing a little bit of um, social satire in the work that I did. So I, I, I always thought it was fun to sort of, I don't know, take the audience through uh, a, a, a journey of kind of, uh, uh, that's such a pretentious thing to say, but like a journey of sort of questioning, like, well, what's the norm here and what, you know, uh, what is our opinion about this? And I would be very straight with my opinion uh, and often break character and sort of lecture the audience. So I did this Trump character uh, just starting initially, I think, as a little bit of catharsis and fear. Um, and then um, as I started to observe him more and I joined with James Adomian to do uh, the Trump versus Bernie tour, which was the big 40-city tour that we did yes, around the, the U.S., Canada, and Europe, um, and James being so politically minded, too, I think we saw it sort of as a civic duty and especially to talk to our own audience, to talk to a liberal audience and be like, this is for real. And you can't look at this as some anomaly, but this is actually happening. And it's a manifestation of something much darker. And, um, yeah, so it became a catharsis and it became a way uh, and a warning. I mean, I, I very early on believed that Trump would win the nomination in the presidency, and it seemed like. Uh, you know, watching a boulder roll downhill towards a group of people and everyone's just milling about, not paying attention. So, well, yes, that's the thing. It's sort of, you know, it's the fact that we are really sort of trapped in this. It feels like an alternate universe that we're still stuck in right now. And I always go back to there was this moment during the Bush era uh, when Bill Maher was talking about, you know, people would constantly go up to you as a comedian and say, wow, George Bush must be great for material. And his response to that was yeah. sort of, well, sure, but, you know, if I could undo Guantanamo and the wars and the waterboarding and just, you know, not have that few minutes of monologue jokes that I wrote on on account of that. It's true. But do you feel yeah. sort of a responsibility, you know, as an American citizen and, of course, as a performer to sort of at least lampoon what is happening around you right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I one, I would trade anything. If he was not president, I, it's a, you know, it's interesting. It's a mix. I would trade anything to see him go away and I would very gladly give up doing this character. I have no interest in him getting reelected. <laughs> yeah. Ever in life. I'm not someone who's like, oh my God, he's so great for comedy. It's like, that's absurd. Uh, but in addition to that, um, I, I think that, at least from my perspective, the one thing is, is that, uh, you know, he, he sort of represents something deeper with, and, and uh, worse and systemically wrong with the United States. And so in that sense, um, I think that it was a, a great opportunity, and in a way, him coming to the forefront show had to. It made us have to face a lot of sort of demons. It was sort of like bottoming out. I mean, in addition yeah. terms, it's like Trump was like Trump is like when you wake up, you know, in a tub in a house and you don't know where you are, you know, and 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 you have no pants on. It's and true. So I, you know, I think I think that that's the that's the sort of thing. Is this 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 very sort of shock to the system but at the same time it's a system that produced Trump 
the whole system leading up to this produced him. And we'll be right back with some more Anthony Adamanuic, the number one Trump impersonator on the planet, right here on Inside Jokes, Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hey, this is Peter Anthony, and if you have functional ears, you're hearing Inside Jokes. This is Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. And we're back with more of Anthony Adamanic on the line, and he, of course, is coming to Toronto for JFL 42 with Donald Trump in conversation. With the President Show and with the Trump versus Sanders tour that you're doing, you're, you're of course, coming from a very absurd, almost campy place, but I think it's a great, it's it's a good example as well, though, that, you know, Maybe satire really still is the most powerful tool we have in comedy and in and in free speech. The 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 ability to, to just step back from this stuff and go, okay, well, we sort of have to talk about the elephant in the room, right? Well, yeah, and I also think that there's actually very little satire that's done. I think there's a lot of regurgitation and repetition. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of like this is crazy. But satire is supposed to be provocative. It's it's actually it's supposed to forward uh, a political view. It's supposed to engage uh, an audience in a specific way. It's supposed to agitate and disrupt. And I think that um, what we were doing was we were wrapping uh, some serious, dense sort of um, zip files of like, you know, real political thinking and sort of uh, taking a, a look at where we are right now in the snapshot of global history. And we wrapped it in being silly and and doing a musical number at the end and all that because you know you got to give a little sugar with the medicine. That's right. But I think our show and our television show especially was a lot of medicine and a little bit of sugar. And um, uh, I I think there should be more people doing that. And I think the worst thing that's happened in the modern era is that the marketing, advertising, and and corporate uh, multinationals take anything that is remotely resistant towards society, they co-opt it and market it and then regurgitate it out so that it can be controlled. So you saw that with that Kardashian commercial where she's like marching with the protesters. Yeah. Uh, the Kaepernick, thing, Kaepernick and Nike. I mean, I'm glad Kaepernick has an endorsement. I think that's all great because you should be making money. At the same time, what you see is Nike is co-opting this idea and stripping away the reason in a way that people are kneeling which is because they are kneeling at the violence of the police uh, mentality that is murdering African-American men, women, and children in this country. And so I think that the deeper issue is we have to look at is what is the society we have when we are all run by advertisers and marketers, and, and, and we don't actually have the capacity to break through and, and reach each other in a way that has substantive change that would actually propel our civilization forward beyond regurgitative consumption. Yeah, so it's almost, I mean, in a sense, what you're offering up is almost, yes, escapism at a time when it is needed, but also with a pretty urgent message attached to it as well, just to, like, take a look at what actually is going on around you right now. Yeah, I mean, I would say there's very little escapism. I think it's, it's, it's actually mo- it's mostly saying, look at how crazy this is. Yeah. Look at how insane we are, and not how insane Trump is. Look at how insane we are. The notion that we celebrate influencers online, that we celebrate people who advertise for free on their Instagram, it should say something about where we're at. It is. I mean, we have a president who tweets, for God's sake. I mean, that's it's absurd to even think about that aspect of it, you know? Yes. yes. And it, well, it's like our EP, Adam Pally, at the Shorty Awards. 
he really stuck it to these folks in a way that I thought really mattered. And then right after Adam Pallet walks off stage, you have the, the GoPro people talking about how great it is that they're marketing virally, like achieved this certain tier. And I, I'm looking at it going, what, what is the world, what world do we live in? That this is what we're celebrating. And I, I um, anyway, I, I'm, I'm pretty bitter though. Well, <laughs> that's that's good. That's where we're hoping for some of that, of course, because you are going to be here as part of JFL 42 and, of course, doing In Conversation uh, with Donald Trump. And I was curious really quick it'll before. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. It'll be a lot of fun. And are you going to open up the floor to questions for the audience? Will Donald Trump be taking questions? Absolutely. It's a, it's a, it's a definite uh, marquee piece of what I do is that I like to, uh, to let the audience get um, – uh, some catharsis by getting the closest thing that they can get to the real deal in terms of uh, the simulation of me playing him. Um, and I try to keep it funny, but also real. And the hour show where I do the, the Trump dump, as I call it, um, is the closest I think you can get to feeling like you're at a rally that's possible. Um, but it's funny, hopefully. <laughs> well, I, th- I think the one thing on most Torontonians' mind uh, when it comes to uh, President Trump which still feels weird to say, by the way, is, you know, when we had Trump Tower here before they took the name away, how come every time we had strong winds in downtown Toronto, the top of that building would, would almost blow off? I don't know if that was an intentional design flaw or what. So I, it was a good piece of irony for well, the maybe Donald. They, maybe they wrap, maybe like his hair, they did a construction <laughs> on the top of the building that sort of wrapped the buttressing around. That's right, yeah. We'll need to find out. Well, thank you so much again, Anthony, for joining us today. Thank you. And, uh, of course, it check out... talking to you. You too. And, of course, check out Anthony and the President, Donald Trump, live in conversation at JFL42. Hit up JFL42.com to see Anthony and more of the 42 Acts. Thanks again. Thank you. And shout out to Mary and Ian up in uh, Markham. Perfect. Perfect. We'll hear from them. Thanks again. We'll be right back with more Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hey, this is Simon Rakoff, and you are listening to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm Dean Young, and we're talking once again this week about the massive, massive wave of comedy that's flooding into Toronto. JFL 42, of course, returns September 20th through 29th. Uh, We have some of the best of the best comics rolling into town from across North America, some of our own Canadian favorites, and uh, some rising stars right here in Toronto. Comics, producers, stand-up, sketch, improv, all kinds. Uh, And we're talking with our friend of the show, Anna Simone George, in studio today. (laughs) And you are one of, there's there's a few sort of uh, independent shows from Toronto that have been picked up by the festival this year that are really, I think, you know, it's sort of a smart move on their part too. It's really representative of what's actually happening in Canadian comedy in this moment. And Toronto, of course, is the main hub of all of that. So, of course, you're bringing your show Shade to JFL 42. We were talking before the break. And just to sort of recap, so Shade, it's a showcase that happens monthly at the Rivoli. But you sort of, you built this this platform for people. It's comics of colors and queer comics. People who before, even, you know, a couple years ago in Toronto, were sort of either not represented at all on most stages or you would have like the sort of, well, this is our token gay yeah. comic, or this is our prerequisite black comic, you know, like people would just be thrown kind of into the lineup on stuff. 
For you though, I remember because I remember you starting out and do, as stand-up before you started producing these shows. Was it built out of a frustration for you, or what? It, like, how did this whole thing come about? It definitely was. I think we we come from like a system that like lives on some weird invisible hierarchy. Where it's like, Kinda, yeah. you got to be out in these mics every night. And it's like, I don't want to go to a basement and be harassed by like 50 men. <laughs> so like, that's not my ideal Monday night. Um, yeah. But it was that. And it was like the frustration of like, you know, when you're like clearly the only woman of color on a lineup mm-hmm. and they were just like, we found you <laughs> just do the show. Um, and it would be fine if like the show wasn't like racist or like sexist or whatever. But yeah. like when you're in a room full of like a bunch of dudes, just like telling rape jokes and stuff you're like oh cool 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 cool. i was just put here to bring in some women to this show you know what i mean yeah yeah um and it was also the waiting game of like people didn't people don't give a crap about you i wasn't sure if i could swear um (laughs) if if you aren't like kissing people's butts you know and i'm like i'm not that type of person if i want to do your show i'll ask you but i'm not gonna like chase after you and like be your best friend or something um not that i'm a mean person but Essentially, it came out of frustration, and a lot of the shows that I was doing, it was kind of like, you're the token minority, or like, we just need a woman, and you can tell, because like, these lineups aren't curated. It's just kind yeah. of like, we threw together a show, we hope somebody shows up. Yeah. And I also wanted to make money, like, beer tickets are nice and all, but like, I <laughs> yeah. can't live off that. Well, that's the thing, because and it, I've talked about it on the show a lot, where I would see, you know, friends of mine from other cities even, like comics who, okay, they have made a name for themselves in Calgary or Montreal or Halifax or whatever, and then they come into Toronto, because that's sort of the natural progression. Yeah. And I actually ran into one of them the other day, uh, Greg Houston from Ottawa. Oh, no way. And I bumped into him, and he just moved here. And I first thing I said to him was, "Just so you know, there's no money to be made here. <laughs> just I like to warn people now." But it's funny because yeah, it, Toronto, the Toronto stand-up scene kind of can feel very oversaturated because you have ten thousand open mics. Yes, some of them are just in a weird bar basement in the junction, and you know you're doing time to five comics on their phones at the back at of the like four a.m. at four a.m. <laughs> But a lot of people, yourself included, have sort of finally clued in in the last few years that like, well, wait a second, though. We do live in a country of 35 million people. There's a lot of stuff that hasn't been done yet. And so there's indie showcases like Shade and and the queer comedy shows that Shanti was talking about. And now Alison Dore is starting a new record label, the Howl and Roar comedy record label. There's tours happening across Canada. Yeah. So there's this whole wave of independent stuff happening. And now festivals like JFL 42 are actually paying attention and going, okay, well, we better get in on this. Yeah. You know, we have to include this in our stuff because this is what's happening right now in Canadian comedy. So it's refreshing to finally see that and it's, and see how much that scene has changed over the last decade. Um, but for you, I wanted to get into... You know, we're talking about horrible, awkward <laughs> rooms to wait for four hours to go bomb for five minutes and then get maybe like a free Molson export or whatever. Yep. You know, if you're lucky. If you're lucky. <laughs> but if we could, uh, before we, we come back with uh, you and Greg Proops online, I wanted to see if we could find out what was one of your most awkward places to perform oh, in those God. early days. Because now you have your own stage and you have your own productions to go on. <laughs> But before that, when you're out there just sort of cutting your teeth in these murky waters of stand-up, <laughs> what was the mo- one of the more awkward things for you? Uh, I can't. It's between Smiling Buddha and this place on top of, like, an internet game cafe. <laughs> it was so weird. It was like you walk in, it was like a bar, but they also had, like, video games, but, like, not really. It was, like, just you were watching games on TV. Yeah. And then they were like, yeah, go upstairs. And you go upstairs, and there's just, like, a bunch of computers 
and like a bunch of seats and people were like is this where the comedy show is and i yeah. was like i i think so like i don't know the same my show i don't what <laughs> so i'm there and i'm the only woman and every single guy is like making just like they weren't even jokes it was just like this is my racist comment of the evening there's no punchline it was just like this is what i think about like syrians and i was like oh my god like please get me out of here yeah then i just did i think five minutes about god knows what and left i was like i'm going home (laughs) it's interesting though because those are and i mean it's it would be a different experience for me than it would for you, obviously. You know, yeah. there's certain things I've never had to encounter, and I know that going in. But it, it is nights like that, especially early on, where you kind of figure out, like, how much do I actually really love this? Am I going to stick around, you know? You get a good healthy bomb or a nice awkward room <laughs> that you trekked all the way across the city to get to, and you think, okay, am I... Actually, that place was down the street from my house, which is, I think, the okay. only reason why I did it. <laughs> That's almost worse in a way. We'll be right back. We have special guest Greg Proops coming up on the line and our friend Anna Simone George in studio. Right here, more JFL 42 Inside Jokes, Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Marta Chavez, and you're listening to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back. You're listening to Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. And all day today, we've been talking to some of the 42 rolling into Toronto for JFL 42. And on the line right now, wrapping things up with us today, we have the one and only Greg Proops. How are you doing today, Greg? I'm very well, Dean. How are you? I'm I'm good. And actually, you most likely won't remember this, but technically you have been on this show once before. Uh, it was a couple of years ago at the Hyatt in Montreal for Just for Laughs. And Sandra Carusi, the creator of this show, dragged you and I into a Facebook Live booth. So I, you were sort of coerced into being a guest on this radio show once already. I don't know if you remember that. I do remember it. I you remember do remember it. that. It was closed. It was intimate. You made me sit on your lap, but everything turned out okay. Man, mushroom and anything awful. Right. Well, it was a memorable. That's good. It was a memorable experience. So now we have. You're at a much more comfortable distance, at least. You're on a telephone somewhere in a faraway place, but you are coming back to Toronto for JFL 42. And uh, you know, most of our listeners, of course, you're most recognizable from from your appearances on Whose Line Is It Anyway? And of course, now you have the Smartest Man in the World podcast. And I'm just listing things that you already know that you do. But I did, did want to ask you: sort of, you're sort of known for juggling all of these different pursuits at the same time in the world of entertainment. You have the podcast, you wrote the companion book, you're doing voice work, you're out there touring, you do improv, you're appearing on TV. I wanted to ask you. Is it just sort of in your nature to try and spin all these plates at the same time, or is that just what you have to do to survive a life in comedy? Well, I get bored listening to the same thing over and over again. So I like to do a dazzling variety of different things, and I've been lucky enough to get on Who's Line. So I've just got off the road with, uh, for two weeks with Who's Line. We just finished yesterday, so I'm coming to Toronto after that, and then we go back on the road as soon as I get back from Toronto. I'm also doing The Nightmare Before Christmas at the Hollywood Bowl uh, at the end of October with Danny Elfman and a live orchestra. Oh, beautiful. Movie. 
And then, uh, yeah, at Christmas time, we're going to London and doing Royal Albert Hall with me, Colin, Brad, Jeff Davis, Josie Lawrence, Clive Anderson from the original Who's Line, and Laura and Linda from American Who's Line to do two nights there. So I'm having, I have a really full schedule this year, and I couldn't be happier about it. And you, it's because I don't want to do the same thing over and over again, and I really enjoy doing improv with these fine, fine, drunken improvateurs. And um, <laughs> doing the podcast gives me a chance to drink alone, and uh, that's why I do that. And, and my wife and I, it's really our baby. So we're doing one here at the crib today, and then we're, I'm coming to Toronto to do uh, another podcast on Saturday. Yeah, which this year we'll have done it in Bermuda. Then we're going to London and Paris and do it later in the year. Uh, that's fantastic. Yeah, you do have a sort of you, you do manage to sort of keep it fresh and do all these different things at the same time. And I did want to ask you, I mean, podcast now, you know, the advent of the podcast, we're we're well over a decade now into this, but it feels like it did sort of change the world of comedy. I mean, it almost podcasting almost made comedy cool again, right? It almost brought it back into the spotlight for you. What, how did that come about? Was it just like, well, I have to jump in and do one of these. I have things I need to talk about that maybe don't translate onto the stage. How did that happen for you? That's a very good question, Dean, and I think you're exactly right. Um, I've been doing stand-up for 125 years, right, you know, <laughs> right, after we, uh, right after we finished uh, fighting Canada in the War of 1812. And uh, so uh, I was approached by the guys who do um, Jimmy Pardo's show and uh, Doug Benson's show, do you want to do a podcast? And I said, well, I don't know what to do. So we did the first one, and I just talked. And after that one, my wife said, this is what you should be doing. And it didn't take long, maybe a year or so, that it really came to define me. And I think it put me back on the map And comedy-wise. Like, all of a sudden, people realized I am not just the lovable kook from whose line that I have quite a lot to say, and the show's about politics and feminism, history, art, literature, um, motion pictures, theater, whatever we want to talk about, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you're not limited to the, the topics that... I think people see stereotypically comics talk about, you know, dating and whatnot. Well, and that's the thing. And you do, you do kind of branch into sort of, you're almost a freeform comedian performer by nature. I mean, you sort of branch into, in your material, whatever it is that you feel like tackling. And I kind of want to ask right now to you, with everything that's going on, I mean, there's a lot of things happening in society and obviously the politics of the world there's a lot of scary unsavory things going on in the world right now and a lot of groundbreaking things to talk about for you what's more important right now in comedy is it just bringing these things to the surface and dissecting that stuff on stage or escapism um bringing those things to the surface i think nina simone the great jazz artist said an artist has one responsibility and that's to reflect their times so Amen. people can come to the Who's Line show if they want to escape it, because we do improv. Yeah. And it's very difficult to do 45 minutes or an hour and a half of topical improv. So we <laughs> yeah. play games. But if, the, if you come to see me do the podcast, you come to see me do stand-up. I just made a new album that will come out in October called The Resistance. And so you get where I'm coming from. Um, I feel like when you have white supremacists, neo-Nazis, homophobes, and the like uh, taking over um, the American government, we're in a bad situation. It's like Hungary or the Philippines or Russia or any of the places where right-wing authoritarians are moving forward. Now, yeah. of course, you've got your own issues in Ontario because you've got Doug Ford. But really, his theories come down to like, what is it he wants, a buck of beer? Which is just a political theory, <laughs> yeah. by the way. It's something your drunk uncle says to you at the Dominion Day barbecue. So, um, it is, and, it's, and he got him elected. Yeah, that's how he got um, in it. Everybody was sort of standing back going, wait, what just happened? And that that's what it was. It was it was a dollar a beer. It's such a cliche that we're living up to as Canadians right now, really. 
Right. What if he said hockey night was $5 or something? Then it would have been a land, even bigger lounge. Slot. Well, that's the thing. Uh, he'd be prime so minister. Think, yeah, right. Then he'd be PM. Uh, I think it's important to talk about that. And uh, the awesome thing about coming to Toronto is uh, the Canadian audience just want to hear that. You yeah. Know? I've played Canada so much over the last million years. I can get up as an American in Canada and really hammer into American politics and Canadian politics. And they're a very receptive crowd for that. You know, people don't boo you or, you know, I just played da- uh, Dallas, Texas a couple weeks ago. And everyone was telling me I was so brave to talk about um, women and gun control. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, uh, I don't think Canadians perceive it the same way. So, I don't. Uh, yeah, I think it, you're. It's refreshing for me. It is. And especially, you know, I think you're right, especially at a festival like JFL 42. I think people come out because obviously they know your name. They know hopefully a large chunk of your work but they come out because they're okay we want to see this person talk about whatever the hell it is they feel like talking about for the next hour hour and a half so i mean i think that's exactly what people can expect with you at jfl 42 uh, greg proops thanks again so much for joining us today hey dean it's a pleasure i hope we get stuffed in a booth together in a hotel we, again in toronto <laughs> we'll, we'll meet at the hyatt lobby in toronto this time we'll do it again thanks so much greg we'll talk to you soon okay. all right brother bye And now for this week's comedy listings. Don't miss Shade, live at Toronto's famous Reveille, September 27th at 7 p.m. Greg Proops, of course, will be live at JFL 42. Gavin Matz, along with Canada's own Sterling Scott. And catch the rest of the 42 right here in Toronto. It's just going to be a packed nine days of shows. Hit up JFL42.com for performers, bios, tickets, and more. Hi, this is Alicia Carusi, and you're listening to my aunt, Sandra Carusi's Comedy Rx. This week featuring Anna Simone George. Your most famous dish, pizza, is basically scraps of food put on top of bread. (laughs) Which is also known as a student meal plan. (laughs) The most famous art piece is a potato with no eyebrows. (laughs) Also known as the Mona Lisa. That's been our show today. Thank you so much to our guest, Anna Simone, in studio with us today. Thank you so much, Dean. Um, and if you want to follow uh, everything I do, you can follow me at the Anna Simone or Shade Toronto. And of course, <laughs> and of course, we have Shade as part of JFL 42 here in Toronto coming up. And it's September 27th, 7 p.m., earlier than the usual time at the famous Rivoli. Yeah. So, of course, get out and check that out. Thank you so much to our other guests. We had Anthony, the world's foremost Trump impersonator, Greg Proops on the line, and, of course, Canada's own Gavin Matz, who's down there trying to make it work in L.A. That's been our show. Get out to JFL 42. Check out the 42 comics. Check out our Canadian comics. And go see some live comedy, because it's one of the best festivals in the world happening right here in Toronto. Keep it tuned in to the Dating and Relationship Show, coming up next with Laura Bellotta, right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto.